You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 94 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and this is the show for July 2021. Today, I have a special guest with me. I am joined by photographer Robert Lockman from the United States of America. Well, Los Angeles, to be very precise. Hi, Robert. How are you today? It's great to be here. I am fine. Summer has arrived in Ireland. It probably won't be here for long, but it was 29 degrees Celsius today, which uh, is a lot for us. Let me see what my computer thinks that is. Oh, 82, 85 Fahrenheit. That's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, that's normal for you, but that's not normal for us. I, like, I'm melting here. Um, it's Are now, you really? It's, you know, half past 10 at night and it's still well over that's 20 pretty... degrees. So Yeah. So, um... Let's talk about what you're interested in. Uh, if there's anything special you'd like to talk about or you want to know about what I've done or what, what sounds good well, to start with? What I was going to ask you to do, because ha- the listeners haven't met you before. So I was going to ask you to give us a sort of a, you know, a potted history of Robert Luckman. <laughs> well, mostly I, I just I retired like three years ago from the Los Angeles Times and I worked there for 42 years since 1975. And You know, I worked as a photojournalist and a photo editor. And, you know, it just it's just kind of fun sometimes to talk about how either things have changed or some of the differences between photojournalism and other kinds of photography. Well, you read my mind Um, because so on this show, we've talked a lot about creative photography and in creative photography. Anything is game, right? If you if you want to crop the bejesus out of it, no problem. If you want to clone something, no problem. If you want to combine four images, no problem. You can do anything. If you did that in the Los Angeles Times, you'd be done for fraud. That is exactly right. And so to try to put it in the proper perspective, there are certainly guidelines that you need to follow. And uh, now that I don't work there, I, you know it's completely different of the kinds of things you, you know, you can do that would, that are seem to be acceptable. And most, you know, photojournalism might be about two or 3% of photography or, you know, maybe less. Right. And then there's everybody will even say 1%. And then there's the other 99%. And pretty much there are some different standards for other kinds of photography, but it's a lot tighter for photojournalism and kind of an easy way to think about it is is basically you can't set up photos or manipulate them okay so if i was being artistic i can i can create i can do a whole bunch of editing before i touch my camera i can do that's correct i can do a whole bunch of funny stuff in camera and i can go completely bonkers afterwards and you could do none of those three well the only difference that is yes but People do try to do some creative things. You have to kind of the general rule would be with a camera, as long as you can get everything on one image, it's okay. So you could do a double exposure as long as it's in camera, kind of like anything you could do on one sheet of film or one piece of the film. So you could, if you are allowed, 
Well, usually something like that would maybe be for portraits, something like that. But um, but generally speaking, because there are some of the photographers that do stuff pretty creative, like they would use film and do things like double exposures, but get it, lay it all on one frame, frame, which seems to be okay. But the the real way you'd normally go about it is anything you could do with film and in the dark room would be a little bit of burning and dodging. Other than that, everything has to be exactly as you shot it. Um, yeah, you can't add a sky, you can't clone things out. Um, I think, I think in a general sense, it would be okay to take a, maybe a small dust spot out or something like that, or to burn down a little bit. But generally, the only way to be creative is the positions you use and the lenses you use. And you can, mostly for, it would probably apply to things like portraits. You can use lights and gels and things like that. So you could be creative with that. Yeah, because I guess there is actually quite a range within journalistic photography, right? Because if you're going to shoot the football match, you're in a very different situation than if you're doing the cover story for time and you're taking the picture of the man of the year or whatever. That's a very different assignment. And same thing if you're doing things like food. Because theoretically, you're in a studio and things are sort of set up. Or if you are doing restaurant reviews and stuff like that, and they're bringing plates for you to take pictures of. So you don't really want to say you're setting things up, but in certain situations like that, it it's sort of a little different. So yeah, when you go to a normal event, like a baseball game, a press conference, a news event, anything like that, yeah, you can't move anything. Uh, you can't ask people to do things. So there might be a little bit of a fine line between most everything, and then things like portraits and food and those kinds of things. Because obviously when you go into someone's office and need to take their picture. Yeah, that's different. There's kind of an element of you're there, so you change what's going on. Right. Does that make sense? To some extent, you're being manipulated too, because if you're going to a press conference, assuming the person who knows what they're, you know, assuming the press conference is being run by someone who's not an idiot, they will have set it up so that the person speaking is in a good light, is has a good background, is telling some sort of story, right? So you've already been pre-manipulated. Well, you notice like uh, after baseball games or anything like that, or any kind of sporting event, they're all against these backgrounds now that, you know, are complete advertising, stuff like that. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is it's, you want to be artistic, but you have to do it within a realm of think about it like not setting things up, especially if you're on at any event and you can't come back later and uh, take something out. I mean, it's so easy now that photography has become so much fun and interesting uh, than when I first started. I mean, it's it's mind boggling when I look back at some of my old photographs. To think of the technology changes, uh, uh, you know, when we were back shooting Triax and trying to figure ways to. Well, actually, uh, yeah. Can I bring you back to to the start of your career, actually, because you just hit something that really got me thinking now. So, when you were starting, you would have been shooting onto film, obviously. Absolutely, and it was thirty five. A thirty five millimeter film. But you yes. would have been in, going into situations where you didn't know up front what the light was going to be like. So would you have been shooting on grainy high ISO film? Absolutely. And everybody had their own different methods of trying to 
make that film look better as you pushed it. And as you got to speeds of 800 was pretty, because Tri-X was really the main film everyone used. Right, and that is by, because that's not one I'm familiar with. I did shoot film in my youth, but I didn't it, shoot Tri-X. And there was Ilford too, but mostly uh, Tri-X, Kodak Tri-X, and that was 400. Wow. So, to, okay. So to me, 400 was the normal and 800 was when I got all fancy pants. I had it. That's exactly it. But you went into some of these gyms where you had to go to 1600 and maybe a little more. Mm. So you're almost like a scientist that everybody had their own little methods of trying to improve, getting a little more shadow detail without too much grain. And would you develop your own film or were you as the photographer sent out in the field and then there was a lab sentry that did all of your processing or how did that work? I think some of the bigger papers like the New York Times had people to to do their up to do lab work, but no, we did all our own stuff. And so it was with a can and reels in the dark. And, was that a bug or a feature? Did you prefer to have full control or did you feel that was a chore? It was normal. Okay. Okay. That's... And what here's where you have to think about. There was a difference because everybody now takes great pictures with their phone. It's very easy. I mean, the technology and it's great. It's, it's the most amazing. The new cameras are incredible. Agreed. But back then, it was much tougher for people to take pictures. And the kinds of pictures, even black and white, people were just doing little snapshots. You take them to the drugstore, the local camera shop, and you get back a roll of film and a little prints. Yeah. But now, you know, the, tech, the, the thing of having to go to a sporting event and come back to the office, there was no transmitting when I first started and things like that. So you physically, we had, we had motorcycle messengers for oh. big events that would bring the film back to the office intermittently, like at big events, like a Rose Bowl, for example, and stuff like that. So you'd be racing, racing to get it into the office, to get it into the racing paper, the onto clock. the presses. So things like that are just completely different than people having, you know, my photo, my app, you know, my photos is, has... 50,000 photos in it and my my same thing almost exactly with my Lightroom catalog it's just it's 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 just kind of it, it, it's kind of yeah. scary what do you do with all that stuff that is true and so obviously the quintessential image of a photojournalist is a giant big flashbulb they're holding up right if you've ever seen a cartoon that's what you must have looked like so well that was a little before my time uh I did do some stuff on four by five but 35 was really in regular film, you know, 35 millimeter film when I first started. Would you but, have had light with you? Would you, I mean, when I was growing up, it was the 35 millimeter camera with the flash off on a, off on a stick to the side so that it wasn't it, straight on? Yeah, I believe it was right. And I think it was a Honeywell used to make the strobe. And it was, uh, they called it like a potato masher because it had a big <laughs> circle on top and a stick going down. So yeah. To, yeah. It's, 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 it's incredible when you think about it. But it was fun. And, uh, you know, it was fun because everybody got the newspaper and when you get a picture in a good spot you know, on one of the front sections, everybody would see it. Right. And so that, when, I, when I grew up, it was a thing to be in the local paper and everyone would correct. stop you on the street. I saw you in the paper and it was a big deal. Isn't that funny? Yeah. 
They and, never say that when you're on some website somewhere, you know. No, it's just not the same anymore. Um, and w- would you have been shooting black and white for for much of your career then, or? You know, I'm not good with years, but yeah, maybe the first th- uh, third at least, maybe a little more, maybe half. And then we slowly transitioned to color, and that was a big deal. We actually first started shooting slide film. Ooh, but that's very pernickety film, if memory serves. Like yeah, but it it had to do. It was the process, and so um, the process of getting that film developed and the way they would make the scans for the newspaper and the separation. So that was just the, the technical way was the easiest for them. So you're right, though, it was a little more difficult and you'd have to process that colored film and try to get it in on deadline. It, it was a nightmare compared to how things Do I now. remember correctly, because I, I could be misremembering, but I think I remember an era in my youth when the front few pages would be in color of a newspaper and the rest would be in black and white as if they could. That like... is correct. That was, yes, th- absolutely. So the front and the, page and the really important stuff you got you sent out the color guy and and you got the color picture and then for the boring news it was the monochrome. Well, after that we started shooting color negative film, so that way you could make a black and white. Oh, so you would decide after the fact in the newsroom. Yes, yeah. But the funny thing is when you talk about how easy it is to send a picture now, back when we were doing football games, when we first were starting doing color. You would have to uh, to transmit. You would have to transmit each. You'd put the. You'd have to take a dark room with you. You would have to make a print in that dark room, whether it was in your hotel dark room, a ho- dark room at the stadium. Put it on a uh, transmitter, which actually was physically. You would make a print, and then you would wrap the print around a drum. Right. And then you would send. It would send three ten minute separations oh. of three different colors oh wow okay so it actually went through then in the rgb for the uh, not rgb yeah that was it yeah it sent the three colors and then the printing press would always use three inks to reproduce yes also on a drum actually most probably yeah so it took 30 minutes to send one photo all right so don't if, send the if, wrong one <laughs> yeah and if they wanted if something different or if there was it, it hit a little hit in it you'd have to send all three again oh jeez yeah, Isn't that crazy? Perfectly in sync. Yeah, that, that is quite And now different. you send a photo in like, you know, 15 seconds. Right, pretty much a live feed, right? I mean, with iCloud yeah. Sync or whatever, in theory, they could be getting the photo back at the office before, you're, before you've even had time to chimp and to have a look at yeah. yourself. Yeah, I mean, we would use a lot of messengers, like if we're doing things like the Academy Awards, when I first started and things like that, for uh, having editor. The editors were not at the... We were cl- our building was close to where they used to have it, so there would be messengers going back and forth. But you would just you would put your film. I I should send you. I don't even know if I have any left. They were film envelopes. They were uh, kind of a vertical envelope, maybe about eight inches by about four inches, or maybe ten inches by five inches. And um, you would just drop your film in there. You'd write your captions on it. Drop your film in it. And the, the little... captions are up to you as well. So, you, but they will be Most copy edited. Most of the time, yeah. So, but it would be a little different if you were sending stuff by messenger. But you'd have to kind of write down what was going on on that, and then somebody else had to figure it out back at the office. But yeah, things like that have just unbelievably changed. It's just, uh, you know, going to events and stuff. So, if you're a, a jobbing photojournalist, 
I mean, would you have the same beat all the time or would you just come in in the morning and be told you're off to do blah, blah, blah today and something could be different tomorrow? How how variable would that be? I mean, I can't say it every newspaper because sometimes and usually certain people specialized a little more in certain kinds of things. I did a little of everything. You know, certain some people were somewhat better at sports and some people were better at portraits. So it would kind of be like if there was something big or something, they would usually get something that might be a little more suited. But generally, yeah, you could be going one minute, you could be doing, uh, you could be at a trash dump somewhere, walking around doing something, and then you'd be going to someone's nice house to do their, on their white carpeting to do their uh, society photo or something, you know. So it was, it's just this, yes, every day was very different in terms of the kinds of things you would do. And you would, everyone on that team would be expected to be able to do everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd be taking pictures of, uh, you know, I've done things like Super Bowls, Academy Awards, uh, covering different uh, campaigns and things like that, you know, traveling. But I didn't travel extensively, but, you know, I, I did travel. You travel a little bit. You do those kinds of things. And so it's a lot of fun. And, and uh, you well, know, it's it, very it's just, challenging because it's so variable. But that sounds like it would really like you would have to be one with your camera to an amazing extent. Well, and, and certain kinds of things. Like it really ranged depending on who you were photographing. You know, you do a little stuff, you do like star portraits and you'd maybe get like five minutes with someone. Race, race, snap, 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 race, race, yeah. So you're, you you know, all of a sudden it'll be at a hotel or there's certain kinds of things you're just looking around and, you know, you're kind of imagining what you're going to do. And if depends how many lights you bring and those kinds of things and what you're going to do and how creative you're going to be, try to be, I mean, you would do stuff to try to be more creative. I, you know, I've taken pictures with like a Holga camera. If you know what that is, Yes, yeah. it's an old plastic camera. I've done uh, once like nice photos with a Holga camera. I've done, they also make one that takes four pictures on one frame. I've done stuff with that. It's pretty cool. Oh. So, okay. So wh- did you have your camera or was it like there was a, a room full of cameras and everyone went in in the morning and grabbed one? There were, It really changed from when I first started. When I first started, there was not that much gear. And uh, we had we were really the only people that had back when I first started. It was really I was very excited because I got a, a, a Nikon F. And it had a motor on it. And that was the first motor drive I'd ever had or touched. Luxury. You know what I mean? So that that's that's where things are so different. I mean, I, I hate to, I'm not trying to do the, you know, get off my lawn and this and that because the times have changed. But it was just how it was and it was pretty fun. And, but, yeah, in some ways it made it easier because not everybody had as – well, I didn't have great gear. It was better than other people. And we had some long lenses that were just not – people couldn't even buy practically. Some of them were like custom-made. This was before – I remember seeing a, for my first Nikon after a while. I'd been there. They came out with kind of a, a really kind of weird uh, 300-2.8 lens, and it wasn't even internal focus. You had to rack it. Like it just had this giant turn on it, things like that. And people didn't have stuff like that. I mean – I was using some pretty old lenses, like I was using even my own. So now I've got a 200 f4 and stuff, or 5.6 and stuff. So, you know, it was tough to really get good pictures sometimes, especially when it was dark. Right. Light seemed to, I mean, even now we still, you know, low light is still a feature, right? I mean, the, the modern iPhones have done an amazing job at it. But that the reason that was such a feature was because it's been so problematic for so long. 
Yeah, but the new cameras, you can't tell the difference between ISO 4000 and ISO 200. Now. No, you can't. No, absolutely, you can't. Yeah. So that's a huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've i always been fascinated with, with nighttime photography. And so my memories of shooting on film in, I guess it would have been the 90s, late 90s, is really struggling with, you know, pushing things as high as uh, I found a roll of 3200 and the thing was so grainy. Oh, but hey, stars are big spots. So, you know, who cares? It'll do. <laughs> but it looked fine back then, right? Well, it was amazing to me because if I if I put a 28 millimeter lens on it, I could expose for two and a half minutes without star trails. So I had 3200 ISO, color film, 28 millimeter lens, two and a half minutes, the sky would turn as rich navy blue and I would get the Milky Way. And I was in seventh heaven, but goodness me that I have to fight for that. And I got very friendly with my local Kodak uh, guy because he would work so hard to get something out of those negatives for me. He'd see me coming in the door and he'd both go, yay, I have a challenge. And oh God, now what? But... Now, what you look at it now, if you're doing those same star trail, there's all sorts of apps for it, you know, multiple yeah. exposures, these time, you can make those circular star trails, like, it's just amazing stuff. Yeah, and I had a, I had a notebook where I would have to write in exposure number 24 was so many seconds and so much time, uh-huh. and I wouldn't know for a week whether that was a really stupid idea. Or a very smart idea. So then when you put in your next roll of film, you go back through your notebook and you'd compare it to what you got back from the Photoshop and you'd be like, that setting worked, that setting didn't. And nowadays you just, well, what's in the what's in the metadata here? I'll just ask iPhoto to tell me what the setting was. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, my biggest problems now are, are trying to make my ca- a catalog smaller of photos that I just take endlessly with my phone. It's just, I just... It's 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 like an explosion, which is a wonderful to... segue into the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because you said that you were a photojournalist and a photo editor. Now, I yes. think a lot of listeners would think an editor is someone who slides around the sliders in the dark room or whatever. But of course, a photo editor is not. You're a person who's handed many, many, many photos and told pick X. Yeah, it it was that. And what you're doing is you are, I I did it that once. That was my last about eight to 10 years. And and that was, a lot of it is the technical, you're there at the technical end. And so you're, you know, bringing in photos from different people, you're putting them up on the web, you know, you're moving them to spots that then they go in for processing and the paper. And so it's more, you know, and you are editing uh, local it happened to do less and less of actually editing with the photographers just because of how things work and they're usually out somewhere. So it, it, it wasn't that practical and still really isn't to, if they have volumes of photos to edit those kinds of photos, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's better if you're sitting there on their computer or they're in the office. So uh, pretty much if they were out of the office, they would just send a selection in. So the kinds of things I was doing was, you know, helping decide what photos we would use in the paper or what we would use online and those kinds of things. Okay, so you have a front page. Some, I'm assuming it's not the photo editor who decides what the story is, right? So someone in the newsroom decides that our front page story today is some event that happened in 
Moscone West or whatever, right? Exactly. And then you're the photo editor, so you then get told, I need, do you get told I need four photos? I need so many square inches? What's your problem to be solved? Like, what do they come to you with? That's, yeah, that would generally be the thing because you go to a meeting and then they'd say, okay, these are some of the stories. And then you would, a lot of the times you would know what the big story was. So you already had picked pictures and things like that. So it would kind of depend on each individual uh, day of what was going on. Because usually there was always such main news. And then, you know, we would usually have someone doing sports and those kind of things. And then uh, maybe in our feature section, that was earlier in the day. I used to work at night. So yeah, it would be mostly deciding on the front page, the photos they would help use, or what would go inside and things like that. So it could be either one. And would they ask, like, would they tell you I want one photograph or would they tell you I need you to fill this amount of space? You'd kind of know that ahead of time because it would, you know, for the photo, for the paper, they didn't really use that many photos. So, you know, it'd be something for the a photo for the front and then maybe a two inside. The web was different and that's, how things have changed. You can just put endless amount of photos, uh, just like everything else on the web. And that was making different photo galleries and that kind of thing. So, so in, in was, theory, on a physical paper, the amount of possible layouts is infinite. But in reality, would they only have a few that they would use? Like if I were to look back at the old papers, were they always like, you know, one photograph, one big headline or, or how, how variable was that? How how? I would say, see, I wasn't, I did not do the design. I, I'm not a designer. So, uh, but they did have them. And I would say overall, our front page, it wasn't like, it, it was somewhat formulated in terms of how many photo stories we would use in those. I mean, it would vary a little, I think between six and five and things like that. And then, you know, they don't go too crazy. It's, you know, if it's a huge event, like it's an election, a presidential election, things like that then the photos would be much bigger things. You know, it would kind of vary on a big earthquake, big fire, stuff like that. And that stuff would run bigger. So, but yeah, it's, it was a big deal. We're going to run this four columns or five columns. Well, I mean, you know, it does make a difference, right? If you're there trying to choose the photograph or would you, yeah. I mean, would it infect your choice of photograph if you knew it was going to be over more colors? No, it's just the best photo usually. I, I wouldn't say size. I, you know, the funny thing is that I noticed, and this is from years of have, having my pictures in the paper, people like and think your photos better the bigger it is in the paper. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel too, right? If you know what I mean? It, it, it was a funny thing and there was an exact correlation. No matter if it was like one of my favorite photos or not one of my favorite photos, the bigger it ran, Happy. people would say they liked it better. Well, look, if I'm going to get a canvas print of one of my RT shots, the bigger the canvas, the happier I am with the picture. <laughs> exactly. And so, then what do you, when you have those big canvases, what do you do with them then? That's my next project of uh, trying to figure out what to do with all my stuff. Well, I can see, I mean, the, the, the listeners can't see, but we're doing video so we don't step on each other as much. And I can see you have a, an impressive amount of photographs framed behind you. I, I need to do better. Yeah, those are some of my photographs from some of my work and stuff like that, so... It is nice. I mean, I don't have enough people come up to my office that much, but uh, next time you're out, let me know. Well, it, it, assuming I leave this island ever again, but fingers crossed we get back to that sort of normality again. Yeah, things here are pretty much moving back to normal. So it's, we, uh, we were until Delta, but anyway, let's let's not go there. Um, yeah. I'm trying to pretend that's not happening. Um, what was I going to ask? So, Oh, I had a question. I was on the tip of my tongue and I've just gone and forgotten it now. Isn't that terrible? Um, yeah, actually, yes. Sorry, you, you said a, something there which 
you would pick the best photo. But best has a different meaning in journalistic photography. So when you say the best, what are you trying to maximize? What makes what makes a photograph a good journalistic photograph? Well, obviously, it's just like any other contest or anybody's picking photos. You know, it, it is subjective. So you can't really usually say there's one right photo, and sometimes it would be better with two. But, you know, I, I think it's about storytelling and that kind of thing where you're trying to, you know, it's it's sort of got, it's it's like the best artistic photo that tells a story and stuff like that. And so it's usually pretty easy. You know, it, it's probably, from an event, it's probably easily easy to narrow it down to two or, or three of the best, and then you kind of go from there. But it, you know, it doesn't fit the whole, so sometimes they pre-lay things out and you may need a vertical, you may need a horizontal, and you may need a square. So uh, that's something most photographers don't deal with is trying to fit things in spaces. So sometimes you're kind of stuck. Is that and part so, of the photo editor then? To like, No, the design people. Well, you try to talk them into changing their layout, but sometimes that's tricky. <laughs> okay, so how much of forward and back is there? Because it... I mean, that's something I, as a reader of a paper, I have no idea how much negotiation happens between the copy, the design and the photograph. I mean, there's three groups of people there working together to make my paper. How, how much does one? Well, the usually route? it also would depend on how big a story it is and how many editors and people are around at the time. So late at night, Decisions are made pretty quick because there's not a lot of people around. During the day when there's more people around to help make those decisions, it can take more people. So there's more inputs. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, somebody just has to make a decision. And so it should be something that goes with the story, tells the story and uh, is dynamic. And sometimes you get that and sometimes you don't. So, you know, it, it would depend on. You know how big the advantage you're getting stuff from the wires if we're not covering it, things like that. So you, you, you know it's it's a whole different. So many photos come across the wires now. It's the, the, it's endless amounts of going through stuff. And so, would you try to get it down to say one good vertical, one good horizontal, one good square? Send those three off, and then let let the designers. No, make? usually go into a, if if it's something like that. If if you're talking about something, the big photos for the day, usually we'd have a front page meeting and. You'd have the photos in hand and we'd show them. Well, in the old days, you'd just show photos. You know, you'd hold up the hold photos. But, but that's not how you do stuff anymore. You know, there's projectors and the whole, you know. See how things have changed, you know? So, yeah. Well, it, in the, it's... Back in the day, you would uh, print the photos out. Like maybe, you know, like a, we, we'd have these special, like, these, it was a weird wax printer. But it would, so the photos would look decent. Then you'd put them up on a board. But those times change, and so, you know, now everything's on a TV screen. So it's just, so you have a giant monitor in front of you all, and you're all poking and prodding at it. Yeah, and so, you know, you put them on the computer, which is easier and stuff like that. So it's, you know, all everything's become faster and easier in terms of doing stuff. Well, faster, and, and which, faster doesn't always make it easier, of course, because... Yeah, but the difference is, is that, for example, here, here's an example of the difference. When we used to shoot a night baseball game, or a night football game, you were only able to get pictures from the beginning because it would be past deadline. So because someone would have to bring the film back or they would have to transmit it from the stadium. And if they were back in the day, well, first they would have to messenger it back. So past, say, 930, you'd have to have that photo done. 
See, and the game might still be going on. See what I mean? Right. Now, you can get photos from any part of the game, even up after it ends. So in some ways, it's a little harder for the photographers because they're constantly working and constantly sending photos during a game or during any kind of event. There's no like, oh, I sent my film off. Now I can just shoot and I'll come back the next day and process it and, you know, just to see what I got. And they maybe can use it later. But now it's, you can keep going at events just endless because of being able to uh, transmit so quickly. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely does change things. I guess it puts different pressure on the photographer as well because... Yeah, it's very different. Actually, the funny thing is it kind of is... It, it, it's constant pressure where before you were just hoping to get something early and then send it off. And then you were good because there was nothing you could do. So in the days when it took you 10 minutes to send the photograph, obviously the photographer was acting as sort of a, a first pass editor because the photographer would have had more than one photograph and they would have had to choose. Absolutely. So you were doing, but that was 10 minutes. If we're back in the days when it took 10 minutes to send, that was, you still had to make a print. You had to process the film. You had to make a print. So you're talking over a half hour to get, just get that on. So almost 40 minutes to get a photo somewhere. Right. But I meant that you had to choose, right? Because you had a roll of film. And yes. you had one thing to send. So you as the photographer got to be an editor. That's correct. And that's, yes. When you're out on assignments, you are the photo editor. So you do both. But that, is that true today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the photographer still gets to do some editing when they're at an assignment. Because in my mind, the photographer could be snapping away and everything could just go back to home office and home office could make all the decisions. No. Theoretically. No. The only time they really do that is for the Academy Awards. They would have editors on scene and they're hardwired you have to be hardwired to be able to do that really well you can do some yeah it's getting a little better yes you can do it wirelessly now but it's still uh, it's still kind of hard to maybe you can it's you know it's changed in the last three years but i think most of the time people are dumping it into a computer and then sending it that way okay so i guess what i was afraid of is that the photographer was losing some so some agency but it sounds like they're not because they're still going no, to do that editing no. you have That's a good. lot of control yeah oh you have total control pretty much i mean i guess that could change you know as the technology gets better but you know you've got pretty big files and stuff and it's when you're shooting that much stuff it's pretty quick to put the card in a computer edit fast and send i mean you know we would use uh, the software we'd use uh uh I don't know, you've probably ever used it, like Photo Mechanics, really popular for photojournalism. Have you ever used that? I haven't used it, but I've heard of it. It's it's incredibly good for, like, Lightroom is would not work for something like that. It's too slow. Now, I use Lightroom, but Photo Mechanic is incredible for, you know, you you can either download the card or you can say so you drop the cards into a, the pictures into a folder on your desktop. You open it up and it opens instantly and you can edit through so quickly picking and, photos you want. You, you can't edit. You're not really there to edit the actual images of light, making them lighter and darker and doing those kinds of things. You open them up and put it in Photoshop, do it there. But it's editing through, say you've got a thousand photos. You can stream through those so quickly so it's become a very and, and you can write captions in it too really well. So 
it, it, it's become sort of a, a go-to for photojournalism. So you're looking at this mass of images, you're very quickly triaging them, and then the ones worthy of it, you're writing captions. That's correct. You're, 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 fi- you're fixing them, and f- you're, you're making some adjustments in Photoshop, saving them back, maybe doing another folder, the ones you want to send, and then you let them go. And that's kind of the, 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 the workflow. And then you can rewrite all the captions in it, and then you can paste one caption to the next, fix it a little, you know, and so you're, it's very speedy. But, you know, it's real, it wouldn't really be for most people. It's really for people. I use it a lot, for example, when I have a folder of photos and I want to look through that folder quickly. Right. I mean, you could open up the folder, like with my, the, an Apple computer, highlight the photos and just hit the, the tab bar and look we'll through the photos them, that way. Yeah. But this is a little different. This way you can pick the photos you want. You can really get a close look at them and you can just zoom through them. Really, And you can go. It's even faster. They've done some. It's it's pretty pretty nice software. That's a, a lovely little tip there. Thank you. Yeah. So but that's just like if you have it's it's only if you need that. Right. It's a tool. It's a it's a tool that's very good for a job. That exactly. you could do that job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So I guess sort of the last thing I I have. So obviously you you had a a long and I hope enjoyable career as a photojournalist. I enjoyed every minute of it. So if there was, if there was a young person listening, would you say it's, it's, would you still suggest, recommend people go into that line of work? Well, the problem with it now is, you know, newspapers are shrinking and things like that. So that, that makes it very tough. It's very tough because everybody shoots photos, but if you're the best at what you do, you can make it. So, you know, I would say that if you really want to work hard and, you know, it's like any kind of photography now, it is difficult to get in. It was difficult though when I did it. So, you know, it, but it's still. So what um, skill would someone who wanted to make a living as a photojournalist, would they need to focus on becoming someone who can do anything or would they need to pick something like become a great sports photographer or a great portrait taker or would they should they focus in or would it be better to be a super generalist? Well, I think with anything, I would always recommend people specialize a little bit. I always think that's if you're the best at what you do in one direction, you seem to people are going to find you. That's that's probably what I would say. But uh, it is fun to do a lot of different things. But truthfully, I'd say if if you're really the best at things like portraits, sport, all those kinds of things, you're going to have a much easier time, you know, finding, finding work. Okay. And also video is really important now. People are doing a lot more video and stuff like that, but it's got, gotten to be a very small market. That's, that's really the tough part. So in, in today's media market, are most of the people doing the photo video work freelancers or employees of a specific paper? That's a lot. I would say both. I would say both. You know, it just depends on how they have it set up and, you know, if they let them have freelancers and those kinds of things. So I would say both. I mean, staffs are much smaller now. You know, I'm sure we're down to probably 50 percent of what it was or less than when I was there. So even when I left, probably it's down a lot. So I mean, well, it, it grew. When I first started, there weren't that many. Then it grew, and then it got smaller. So it's kind of gone full circle. Cycles. 
That's interesting. So historically, though, it would have been very little freelancers, or was there always a free? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Was there always freelancers, or was it? Most it was always freelancers, especially using ones out of town and things like that. And we've always they. I don't know what their policy is now, but over the years, we've always they've always used freelancers, a small amount. Okay. Uh, interesting because I always think of freelancing as like you know freelancers are replacing staff photographers, but maybe maybe that's just far too naive. Well. There's certain kind of things like, you know, in, in California, you can't, you have, if you work a certain amount of hours, it's like, there's, there's a few things like that. So you, but yeah, they, most of the papers you would use freelancers. I mean, they did when I first started and I assume they use some now. I, I don't really know because I haven't been there for a while. I've been gone for about three years, so almost four now. So. So if you're saying be the best, then being a freelancer is a great way to focus because you get to decide what jobs you cover. And then as long as you manage to be good enough to stand out. You have yourself it's just getting those career. things and, you know, being able to get to sporting events, getting credentials and things like that. So that's the hard part, you know, and obviously it's better if you're taking pictures of stars and, you know, just well, that make it easier. Yeah. Out. So <laughs> it's, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. So networking is very important as well then as well yeah. as your camera skills. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now this is, this is a slightly unfair question, but is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I, you know, I've enjoyed what I did and it, 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 it's a, it was a great thing to do. And it's fun. It's, it's the one thing photo, it's the difference. And I, it, I tell people about being a photojournalist when you're going out on things, it's kind of fun because it's way different being a, than a freelancer working for other people. Because the, the most interesting thing, cause I know I've done a few real estate things now for some friends and some other stuff is. When you go out and shoot CEOs or different people, they don't get to see what you've take what you've done until it hits the paper. So they have no control over it. So it's kind of funny because they actually have to be nice to you when you're there. Like you know, but if can you imagine if you were taking pictures for that same CEO and you work for that company? Very different dynamic. Yeah, it's a very different dynamic. So I sort of got used to that in terms of you know when you go out on things that you're kind of your own in. When you're there, you're like more like an independent operator, you know, when you're out there taking pictures. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot, you know, it's certain things are, you know, you obviously, a lot of times you're waiting around a lot, you, you know, it's like, you know, hurry up and wait because it's different than the writers. You can't get there late and ask questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if you, you missed the show, you time, That's the, the one stressful thing I'll tell you. And that's, that was probably the most stressful part about the job is, uh, you know, with traffic in L.A. and those kinds of things, you know, is getting to things on time all the time because, you know, you just can't be late for stuff. And it, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it doesn't happen uh, again. <laughs> yeah. If you don't get there on time, you shouldn't get it. It's pretty yeah. But then, then again, I mean, I've I've waited for like a whole day or something. You know what I mean? You get there and just wait around. I mean, I so guess if you're early, you start to scope about and you start to mentally imagine things. But there's only so much of that you can do before you're bored out of your tree, I'm guessing. Yeah, and that was before the, uh, the before cell. I guess you brought a book or something because, you know, that was before cell phones where you could do everything. You, you know? play a game of Angry Birds, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Robert, thank you very much for this conversation. It's thoroughly enjoyable. I'm definitely going to have you back on. to. It's, all my, it's my pleasure. You know, I'm, I'm doing different things not like now as – you know, my focus has sort of changed. So I, I'm trying to do a lot of video and uh, we do, uh, 
Um, I'm actually doing a lot of nature stuff now. It's really, I like getting out now and doing those kinds of things. It's, it's just kind of fun. I, I really didn't have t- as much time for it that I could do now since I'm retired. And the gear now has got so much better, especially when you're doing uh, nature and any kind of uh, photograph. It's, it's crazy how fast those cameras are now. It's uh, well, I definitely, I definitely want to have a conversation with you about how different it is photographing for fun instead of for profit. And I, um, like, I mean, it's obviously you get to do like you get to be much more creative in different ways now yes. than before you retired. And so, I'd love to talk to you about that at some stage in the future. Yeah. And I'd like yeah. to bend your ear about going from still to video at some stage in the future. So, I think there's at least two sure. conversations I'd like to have with you in coming months. It is a monthly show, so you know, it'll be a while. But you should go weekly, not oh, once geez. a month. <laughs> With all of those hours, I'm going to find from goodness only knows where. <laughs> anyway, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you, um, and thank you for giving up a chunk of your weekend. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's I had a great time. I really appreciate it. It's fun. Excellent. Uh, there will be links in the show notes uh, to whatever you give me to link to. I forgot to ask you about that, but I will get that off you after we stop recording uh the show notes will be at lets-talk.ie listeners can go there for the links and there are buttons there to support the show i really appreciate appreciate everyone who has supported the show and if anyone else would like to go and push the big shiny patreon or paypal buttons it really really helps there are no advertisers on this show it exists for one reason and one reason only you guys support my work and i really appreciate it Anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bouchots. I will talk to you again next month. And until then, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, this is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and anything related to those technologies. Um, with my along with my co-host Warren Sklar, um, we get in depth with a lot of great things that relates to iOS and and its technologies. I'd love to give you to give it a listen. Uh, you can find us at intouchwithios.com, or we are in Apple Podcasts or any. Uh, podcatcher will be able to find us um, but uh, give us a listen we'd love to have you listening to uh, those great technologies and relating to ios thanks